This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as SheCup. I am super, super excited to be here today. We are talking about some really awesome stuff, some really interesting stuff. But before we get into that, I do want to let my co-host introduce himself. Yes, so I am Austin, also known as Teacup. I'm very excited to be here. That's good. Um, I think today's episode is going to be really interesting. So why don't you tell the people what we're talking about? So we're still moving through our season two. And that is all about the Isu and Pieces of Eden. So we're diving into more Isu. Last week we did Minerva and Jupiter. And today we're coming into characters we've been introduced in very recently in the Assassin's Creed universe, and one of who is the main character of the upcoming Mirage game. And so we are talking about, of course, the Norse gods themselves, the Isu, Odin, and Loki. So before we dive in, I just have a question slash comment, both, I don't know. So thus far, all of the Isu that we've talked about have had Greek slash Roman names. And it's thought that they were the Greek slash Roman gods and that we've just lost some of that um, knowledge about them also being Isu, right? But Odin and Loki are kind of like the first Norse gods that we've seen so is it the same kind of situation? Is it different? You know, all of that. Can you speak to that? So it definitely is different in that Odin and Loki are not like Juno or Jupiter, like rephrased in Norse mythology. Because what had been put forth before is that all the gods are just Isu, these few Isu, and different humanities, different cultures have created different names for them. They are not the first non-Greek Isu, Greek-Roman Isu that we've encountered. Uh, for example, you know, Origins is all in Egypt, and there's several kind of Isu constructs that are sim- situated around Egyptian mythology. So Odin and Loki have no counterpart in the Greek-Roman pantheon in this kind of comparison with the Isu. However, they do interact with them. So like Juno goes by a different name and then you have Jupiter is in there under a different name. So I'm going to refer to Jupiter, but just know when you encounter him in the game, he has a different name. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Any other questions? Nope, I'm ready to go. Let's get into it. All right. So 
Odin, also known as Havi to the Aesir, Havi, another name for Odin, was an Isu who was worshipped by Norse mythology and Germanic mythologies, sometimes being called Woden, Odin, Woden, you hear that um, similar compared to one another. He is mainly associated with healing, wisdom, death, knowledge, and war. That's a big stretch of profiles. He wielded and owned Gunnir, one of the few named pieces of Eden. The others being like Mjolnir, Scalibur, all these other things. Now it's unclear whether he named that or it was a name given by other humans. Like, so Excalibur is obviously named by humanity when they encounter this piece of Eden sword. But it's unclear whether like Mjolnir or Gunnir are named pieces of Eden because the Isu named them or because humanity named them later. He was the father of Heimdall, Baldur, and Thor. And Odin is later reincarnated using the seventh method of salvation as Eivor in AC Valhalla. Now flip to the other, we have Loki, which we know less about. I expect that to change um, as Mirage comes out and as the last chapter releases in AC Valhalla, we might learn a little bit more there as well. So he's mainly remembered as the God of Mischief he has affiliations with both the Aesir and the Vanir and the Jotuns, which I think is interesting. Uh, very similar to Fen Harel from Dragon Age, having going in between these two groups of gods. Can you just kind of give those of us who may not know, what's the difference? What does it mean when you say the Aesir, the Vanir, and the third one that you named. So, this is a very brief overview, but the Aesir in Norse mythology are the gods of Asgard. So, Odin, Thor, Baldur, Tyr, all these gods, they are the Aesir, the gods of Asgard. The Vanir are a separate category of gods in North mythology that kind of have not, wouldn't say like a lesser status, but they're ruled over by the Aesir. So like Freya, who is Odin's wife, she is a member of the Vanir and she marries Odin as like a part to be peace between them. The Jotuns are the frost giants of Jotunheim. Are the, the Jotuns, are they gods too? It, they're just another realm of reality. It's another, it's just one of the nine realms. I'm not as brushed up on Norse mythology to know if they are considered gods or not, but that's there. When, so in this kind of universe, the Jotuns, Jotunheim is where Juno, Jupiter, Minerva, it's where all of them are. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously we know Loki is reincarnated as Basm in AC Valhalla. Any questions before we go on? Um, not currently. All right. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but not much is known about the early lives of Odin and Loki. We do know that in his youth, that Odin would kill the giant Ymir 
and would also battle Tyr, one of his friends, for control of Asgard. Now, in Norse mythology, basically, Odin kills Ymir the giant, and his carcass is the earth. His bones form the ground of the earth. Okay. So, but I don't know if he's a giant in this case or what he is, but we do know that there's mention of him battling that giant. Now, I will preface this. All this information comes from Eivor's visions. And so how we perceive them is perceived through Eivor. So Eivor is experiencing these memories in a way that makes sense to Eivor. Similarly, when Cassandra goes through the Atlantis simulations, she is seeing them that would make sense to a 5th century BCE Greek Spartan. So whether or not that's what the world actually looked like, or that's what the Isu looked like, or that's what they actually did, is all up for interpretation because we are experiencing it through this kind of first-person biased worldview. We are experiencing it, and it all appears like Norse mythology, because that's what Eivor knows and is familiar with. So is that kind of how they explain the discrepancies between like Norse mythological gods and Greek mythological gods, both being Isu? Like, okay, Odin is an Isu and so is Jupiter or Athena or whomever, but we just experience it through our worldview. Like that's kind of how they're explaining that, how how that can be reconciled almost. Yes, very much so. And it's kind of like a thing of, it's like a kind of like what they introduced in Revelation where you're experiencing an animus-like simulation within the animus. It's yeah. a similar thing that's going on here. And yeah. so as the animus, you know, translates things into an English that we understand or makes things kind of make sense and a lot of things like that similar to these experiencing these visions these simulations that Eivor and Cassandra's experiences it is tailoring itself to make sense to their reality Mm -hmm. all right well let's get back to (laughs) Odin and Loki's early lives yes So Loki would eventually become Odin's blood brother, though we don't really know how or why, it's not explained to us, and would be brought to Asgard to serve as Odin's advisor and confidant, only superseded by Tyr, the god who is a god of war in Norse mythology. So Odin would also eventually marry the Vanir Freya, And this marriage was largely political and similar to Jupiter and Zeus, Odin would cheat and there would be a lot of infidelity in the marriage. Loki originally marries an Isu named Sijin and would develop, but would develop a passionate love affair with Aletheia, who is another Isu that we encounter in AC Odyssey. Um, She basically guides us through all of the fate of Atlantis DLC. So I have a question. Sure. So in Norse mythology, the person that Loki has the love affair with, I believe is Angraboda, I think is how you pronounce it. So is, is that 
uh, Angraboda, is she also Aletheia? Like, are they the same person? Is this confused? Like, you know what I mean? I looked for this, and the problem is, is that the wiki and all my online resources were not thorough, and I do not have a playthrough where I could go and interact with them in Jotunheim. And so... I remember she has a Norse name when we interact with her in Ace Valhalla in the simu simulations. So I just can't remember what that name is. But now that you say that, it sounds very familiar. So I think yes. But don't quote me. The Assassin's Creed Wiki does say that. You know, seminary and grad school teaches you to read quickly, but not always thoroughly. Um. Okay, so yes, that yes, we... Mm -hmm. We have established that, yes, Aletheia is Angraboda. So then that leads me to my next question. Is Aletheia a Greek god? Is that a name for a Greek god or goddess? We'll learn on next week's episode about Aletheia. Okay, but I guess I'm just confused. Like, how can a god be a Greek god, a Roman god, and a Norse god all at the same time? I think it's important to remember that there are several Isu who survived the Great Catastrophe. And they walk alongside humanity. And so there are different subsets of humanity, but there are actually very, very few Isu. Mm -hmm. So they're just moving around, you know, humanity who is largely and much more populous and are starting to develop their own cultures. And so as these East are walking around, they're adapting how they're perceived based on the culture that does that because they don't. And this is really Minerva's kind of guiding hand. She wants humanity to develop on their own and not really with a lot of Isu intervention. Right. So she is being like, okay, well, let's be, let's blend in. Let's not, you know, blow their mind. That makes sense. Okay, let's just keep going. I could get us off topic for a long time with these questions. Also remember that I know that they seem very distinct, but like Rome and Denmark and Norway are not that far apart. That's, that's a true point. That is a true point. All right, so Aletheia and Loki would have several children, one of which is the wolf Fenrir. Isn't it Fenrir? That my way sounds more Norse. I don't think that's correct. Anyway, so shortly before the great catastrophe, the Nonir tell Odin that in the calculations, they have seen Fenrir as a cause for Odin's death and a harbinger of Ragnarok or the Great Catastrophe. So basically the Nonir are the Norse version of the fates. So they weave together the tapestry that is destiny or fate. So when they tell Odin this, naturally he becomes extremely paranoid. He bans all wolves from Asgard. And so while he's doing this and while he's becoming so paranoid, Asgard is attacked by frost giants, by the Jotuns, 
and they've breached Asgard's defenses. And so Odin fights them and pushes them back. And after they win the battle, Odin finds Loki with a Jotun named the Builder. So this Builder basically presents himself to Odin and says he's able to turn the Jotun's power against them and he could protect Asgard. The Builder then tasks Odin with retrieving tools from a place of the Well of Uror. And when Odin goes to the well, he, he discovers Fenrir there and he immediately tries to kill him. Well, his good buddy, Tyr, kind of stops him, saying that it's sacrilege for Odin to spill blood in the well. So Odin basically agrees and has Fenrir imprisoned. And so he goes back to the tools with the builder, and the builder agrees to build this kind of tower shield thing that would protect Asgard from the Jotuns, but there is a price. He wants to marry Freya. Of course he does. They always, that's what they always want. They always want to get married. <laughs> or they want like money or something, but. So originally Odin, so originally Odin refuses. He basically is like, no way, that's my wife. Even though I cheat on her all the time, she can't go marry someone else. But then he is more and more paranoid and wants to prevent Ragnarok and wants to find a way to save the East Sioux and Asgard and everything. And so he says, okay, I'll go talk to Freya. And he goes and talks to Freya and eventually they all can see, like basically agree to the plan because Loki suggests that Odin agree to it, but give the builder a ridiculous time like requirement, which they come up at nine days. He has nine days to finish this. And so when he fails, he won't get to marry Freya because he didn't complete it in nine days. That's what Loki possessed, uh, puts forth. And Odin's like, yeah, that's a great idea. No one can build this in nine days. That's impossible. Well, Freya, maybe, so his name is the builder. So maybe he can. <laughs> And Freya's like, I don't like this. I don't like how this feels. This feels bad to me. But they they continue it. And, you know, the builder completes it in nine days. And there's a big deal. He basically reveals that he wanted this there so that he could manipulate Asgard. There's a big fight between him and Odin. Odin wins. But in that fight we come to realize that it was Loki who showed the Jotuns how to get into Asgard. And it was Loki who organized this attack to use as a distraction to sneak Fenrir into Asgard. I'm shocked that it was Loki. Shocked, I tell you. It's me. Hi. I'm, I'm the problem. <laughs> me <laughs> that is loki's motto <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. but anyway so odin is obviously pissed because he's like he basically says like you're my blood brother i banned wolves from asgard and you basically birthed one which I still don't understand how, I know that's like actual Norse mythology is that Loki is the father of 
Fenrir the wolf, but it still doesn't make sense. To, I don't understand it. So Odin's furious at this revelation. He and Loki have a fight where he basically attempts to kill Fenrir, but again, he's stopped and he imprisons the wolf for life, which Loki is obviously furious at and says that Odin has broken their blood oath that he would never harm him or his kin. And Loki departs, is banished from Asgard. And Odin swears to find another way to prevent Ragnarok or the great catastrophe, Solar Flare. So that's kind of all the lead up. That's the first half of the Asgard storyline in AC Valhalla. Let's take our break and we'll get into the second half. Sure. Before we go to our break, can you remind me, is this Asgard storyline in the base game or is it DLC of Valhalla? This is base game. Part of it is DLC, but this part exactly is base game. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's go to the mid break. Makose! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 Even now, faced as I am with the truth of your cold words, I refuse, because I believe things can still change. I may never succeed. The assassins may struggle another thousand years in vain, but we will not stop. All right, welcome to the mid-break. This is the place where we talk about all the things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first thing I want to mention is our Patreon. We do have a Patreon and you can support us that way. It's the best way to support for us. And at certain tiers, you even get to come on the show. You get early access to episodes. You get ad-free access to episodes. You get really all kinds of perks and it's just a great place to be so join the patreon if you can't but if you can't support us financially we also totally understand that so the second best way to support the show is to leave us a rating or a review on either spotify or on apple podcasts now we are trying to get to 50 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you leave us a good review with five stars, we will read it out on the show. And I do have one to read today. And this one comes from Dane Raptor King. And Dane Raptor King says, five stars. Highly recommend this podcast for someone who loves both video game lore and the franchise of Assassin's Creed. I can't wait for more episodes, especially the character deep dives. And that is from Dane the Raptor King. Thank you so much, Dane, for your awesome review. We so appreciate it. And um, the last thing I really have to tell you is about our Discord server. We do have a Discord server. It is my number one favorite place on the internet. And it is the home of all of our podcasts. We have several. With Mirage coming out soon, with the new Dragon Age game coming out soon, the Discord is hopping all the time. We are posting memes. We are talking about upcoming games. We're theorizing, all that kind of stuff. So definitely come join us in our Discord server. That server is called The Cups Podcasting and More. And there are links to all of these things that I'm telling you about to give us reviews, to follow us on Twitter, to join our Discord, and most importantly, to join our Patreon. All those are in the description of this and every episode. 
So last thing to talk about before we get back to the show is my playthrough, right? So I'm still in Assassin's Creed 3. I am about halfway done. I finally got out of all the tutorials and now I'm just like playing the game. So I'm like in sequence six or seven. I can't remember exactly, but somewhere in there. Um, I am starting a new job this coming week. So my playthroughs are probably going to slow down. So I probably won't have as many updates um, going forward in every episode, but that's where I'm at now. Austin, do you have any thoughts on my playthrough? Be more patient with counters. I am not good at that. <laughs> you can figure it out. You'll learn it. I remember I remember when I first booted up AC3 and that was the whole new combat system. And I was like, why'd they change everything? I was good at the other system. I was fine. Why'd they change it? And I was mad because I kept dying. I was like, how do I counter? I don't understand how to counter. But I did finally learn it. And and once I did, it is still to this day one of my favorite combat systems. That whole conversation, everything you just said is a mood. I really am struggling <laughs> with combat. It is so much more difficult. But I feel like I am better at it now than I was when we first when I first started playing the game. So there is that. Um, but it is it is it is rough um i am struggling so if you have any tips please throw them my way don't get into combat i am trying really hard not to i mean like in the last couple games i would just be attacking things and people because i wanted to and now i'm like oh there's three guards over there i can't take three at once <laughs> not that's not a joke that is that is legit good luck Thanks. I know. I'm nervous about the end game, <laughs> but I'm getting there. I finally did figure out how to counter. So, all right, well, let's get back to it. And I know I was really nice to you, but actually I'm just another Templar plot twist. And yes, I would like very much for you to be controlled by a magic space wizard so that you can murder me. I am not a father anymore. I am not a husband. I am not a Medjay. I am a hidden one. Yes. We are the hidden ones. Okay, so after this, Odin is received some a little bit of advice that the Jotuns in Jotunheim have some secret for surviving Ragnarok. And so Odin decides to go and speak to Alethea, Loki's mistress, about all of this. And so we talked about this. Odin kind of journeys to Jotun, Jotunheim and speaks with Alethea and realizes Loki is there and is trying to basically get on the good side of Jupiter so that he can take the mead or the seventh method of salvation. He goes through all these steps. He eventually encounters Juno, who tells him how to get into there and steal this seventh method of salvation. He encounters Minerva. He encounters Alethea. He encounters Jupiter. He actually fights Jupiter outside the Grand Temple and flees with the seventh method of salvation. Now, I'm not going to go through exactly what happens in there because you can, it's a really fun storyline to go through and you can play it in AC Valhalla in the Jotunheim part of it. It's a lot of fun. You get to go to a party as Odin, which is always fun. 
you know, but it is a Game of Thrones style party where it seems fun and then everything ends in murder, you know, so. But yeah, so while all this is going on, which I think is interesting, Loki uses Odin's quest as a diversion. He goes into Munspell, who is the fire giant's realm, and told the fire giants how to kill Odin's son, Baldor, by poisoning him with mistletoe, a secret that Odin had confided in Loki. I think this is actually what happens in Norse mythology. I can't remember. Sure, but I do know that a lot of this is familiar and similar to Norse mythology. Um, and I'm basing, I mean, like, I, I say that, but also most of what I know about Norse mythology comes from, like, two books that I've read that are like fictionalized versions of the Norse mythological stories and also Marvel. So, you know, oh, and um, the last kingdom. And so obviously Odin is pissed at, at first he's told that the fire giants have kidnapped his son. And then he realizes that they've actually killed him. And then he fights the fire giant. And this basically starts off Ragnarok. Like Ragnarok starts this after that. And so Odin would also go to the god to hell to the goddess of death in attempt to resurrect his son. So Loki again uses all of this as a distraction as his own attempt to steal the seventh method of salvation, the mead. However, during this attempt, Aletheia is injured and Loki force is forced to use the fifth method, which killed Aida to transfer Aletheia's consciousness into the staff of Hermes. So now we have two Isu who reside, whose, consis- whose consciousness reside in pieces of Eden. We have the shroud with conscious and we have Aletheia in the staff of Hermes. Right. So can you correct me if I'm wrong? Is the staff of Hermes connected to Cassandra as well? Yes. And Layla. Okay. Okay. Um, the staff of Hermes can give a lot of basically cause your you to live forever yes. as long as you aren't separated from the staff. So that's how Cassandra lives so long. That's how, you know, Pythagoras lives to the Polynesian War, like all of this stuff about that. Right. So here's another question. You speak of the fifth mes- method of salvation, right? There, so if there's a fifth method and the seventh method of salvation, there must be a first through fourth and a sixth method of salvation. Do we know anything about those? Yes. So remember when we talked about in the Juno episode and Minerva episode and kind of Isu history about the them trying to prevent the solar flare? They try six different methods. I'm not sure we know all of them. But we know that they included trying to project a shield around the earth, trying to use an apple to basically will this, the thing away with an illusion, trying to do all of these things. Okay, so I, I don't think I ever made the connection that those actions were the methods of salvation. I mean, it makes sense with the name, obviously, um, but I don't think I connected that that's what that was. So thank you. So the seventh one is extremely similar to the fifth. So the fifth is the one that transfer you're trying to transfer a consciousness into another body. Right. 
or some synthetic method. And so that worked, but it obviously didn't work because Aida was basically comatose and had to be euthanized. The seventh method of salvation is a perfect model of this. It transfers perfectly, creating an Isu sage. Right. Odin is for, or Loki is forced to transfer Alethea into the staff of Hermes. So after Odin returns, he arranges for him and the other Aesir to use the seventh method to survive the great catastrophe. They basically upload their consciousness to the great tree, Yggdrasil, and upload their consciousness there, and they'll be re reincarnated later. Unknown to Odin and the rest of the Aesir, Loki sneaks into the chamber and takes place of one of the Isu and uses the method on himself, saying that he will follow Odin through time for his vengeance. And so then we get to the events of Valhalla, which I won't go into big detail, but we encounter Basim. There's a whole deal. There's a whole deal between Eivor and Basim, and it's just a big deal. So here's my question. The events of Valhalla occur in the 800s. Correct. Right? In Correct. India. And so we know that if Eivor, and granted, I haven't played the game yet. I'm getting there. But so Eivor is a sage of Odin and Basim is a sage of Loki. We know Basim is in this game. I do at least. Obviously, Eivor is the main character. So how much after Valhalla is Mirage going to be? It's before. Okay, before. How much before? I have no idea. Only a couple years before because it's rumored that a DLC for Mirage will be where Basim meets uh, Sigurd, Eivor's brother, and that's the start of Valhalla. So it can't be more than like 20 years, 20 or 30 years before. So not, same era. Yes, just west or east. Right, not in the same location, but it is in the same era. Eivor's probably not born yet, but give it a decade or a decade and Eivor will be born. Well, I mean, a decade or two is not very long when we're talking about immortal beings. Right. Um, That's interesting. Okay. So this is important to say, just briefly, the sages are not immortal. They will die. Like, they yeah. will die by time. Yes, but they're, they're connected to Odin and Loki, who are immortal, right? Because they've made sages. Correct. And so we now have, that's all we really know until we get these, these, this chapter of Valhalla and the new game of Mirage. But I do have a couple of fun facts, behind the scene facts. So Valhalla is not Odin's first appearance in the Assassin's Creed universe. We first see Odin in a glyph puzzle in AC2. Hmm. In AC Valhalla, there is a cult in Yorvik, or York, if you want. Ephrowich is also another name it would go by. Uh, that swears the city will burn and yield to Loki's yoke. Which, I'm not very familiar with Norse mythology, but Loki typically isn't a god who cults form around in that mythology. So what do you think this means then? 
I don't know. I think I think that there there probably were cults that you know worshipped Loki, and obviously Loki has some reverence in Norse mythology. So it might just be that, or it might be you know some offshoot of the Order of Ancients or other group that's kind of made their own cult. We do know that the people working in Jorvik are Order of Ancients people. So it could just be them as well. Interesting. In the dice game Ulrog, which is a lot of fun in AC Valhalla, I actually like that little mini game. Lodi's, Loki's to totem is called Loki's Trick, and it allows you to banish your opponent's dice. So the dice that they would use against you to score points, you can just say, nah, nah, you don't really have them. Odin's is called Odin's Sacrifice, which actually allows you to sacrifice health to gain more God's favor, which is like what you use to enact special bonuses that your totems can give you. This is similar, you know, Odin sacrifices his own eye for wisdom or knowledge. Right. So here's my question to you. Would you rather have Loki's totem or Odin's totem? Uh, I typically use Thor's totem because it allows you to attack your opponent's health directly. Well, that wasn't my option to you. <laughs> I probably... I probably would rather have Loki's totem. Yeah, I think I agree. Um... I mean, do you actually get God's favor? Like, how do the game mechanics work there? Oh, it's like a mini dice game. So God's favor are like tokens you build up in the game that lets you execute special powers in the dice game. Right. Yeah, God's favor is actually useful. But once your health is gone, it's over. When you actually play the game, it'll make a lot more sense. People who know the game. And this will make sense too. But. I mean, it makes sense to me now. I'm not completely stupid. This is another fun. So in all of Eivor's visions with mushrooms, which are kind of a collectible you can go around, you can eat a mushroom and experience a vision. In almost all of those visions, there is a statue of Odin present. That's interesting. Yeah. While, and another fun fact, while we know MCU Loki as Odin's adopted son... In AC and in Norse mythology, Loki is Odin's foster brother. Right. And there's a lot of things that Marvel changes. Like, Loki is a, an adopted son, too. Yeah. In Marvel. And Thor is Freya and Odin's son, but I'm pretty sure in Norse mythology... Thor is just Odin's son, not Freya's, too. I think you are correct. I'm 90% sure of that. Well, and Odin's wife is not Freya. It's like Frigga. It's, well, which is another. No, it is. It is her. But I'm pretty sure she ends up marrying Thor, too. I can't remember. It is very complicated. Um, but yeah, no, the MCU does it. They don't get the uh, Norse mythology right. They just change things, which is their right. It is their universe. So here is another interesting fact that we don't, which I hope that gets answered in this last chapter. 
we know that BASM is still around in 2022, in 2020. And this is a kind of an interesting mechanic because BASM is the same person that he was in, you know, the 8th, 9th century CE because he is, there's lots of complicated and then he gets the hold of the staff of Hermes and so that makes him immortal. But the Isu sages are supposed to be reincarnated over and over again. Aida is constantly reincarnated. We have no idea where Odin is in 2020 or 2022. Well, do you have any theories? Well, it's interesting to me because we can only go off what we know of Aida, who is reincarnated over and over again. We don't know if the other sages actually react that way or if the seventh method of salvation is like one reincarnation and then you're done. Right. Right. To me, at least, I think we still need information there if they act different than the Aida sages do. I think what might be very, very interesting, and I think you're going to roll your eyes when I say this, but when Basm comes out and meets with Sean and Rebecca at the end of AC Valhalla, his first request is take me to William Miles. Um, I am rolling my eyes. Also, like a week ago in the Discord, I posted and said, I'm the I'm the new chair of the William Miles Hate Club. If anyone wants to join me, just let me know. So yes, I'm very annoyed. But I think that would be an interesting possibility. It, it I, I agree with you. I do think that it would be interesting to loop back to the Mileses because I do feel like I do feel like the modern day story doesn't know what it's doing anymore. Ever since, I mean, really ever since Desmond died is what I've seen a lot of people say, but, and now I know that Layla has died as well. So I I do, I do tend to agree with that sentiment. Right. Um, It's, I have things to say, but I don't want them to say them to you because (laughs) Okay. The way Valhalla ends leads a lot of interesting possibilities coming in. And so that's all I'll say on that. But that's all I really got for this. Do you have any last minute thoughts of Odin and Loki? Um, I mean, I'm I am intrigued by the inclusion of Norse gods as Isu. It makes me wonder like what other gods uh, will they include from like ancient times? So that's interesting. Thank you for clearing up the, the confusion that I have, but this was an interesting topic. So I'm glad we covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. We'll be back next week with Alethea. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against. 
as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.